Welcome to Rain's Essential Geopolitics Podcast, powered by Stratfor. I'm Emily Donahue. Russia holds parliamentary elections in September, less than a month after Russian telecoms companies blocked Navalny, a mobile app created by Alexei Navalny's inner circle to coordinate opposition votes. What does this mean for the opposition? Matt Orr is here to tell us. He's Stratfor Eurasia analyst at Rain. Welcome, Matt. Hi, Emily. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you here, although the topic is pretty significant. All of this is taking place amid the Kremlin's year-long campaign to repress opposition parties and, of course, opposition leader Alexei Navalny. Can you fill us in on the background? Yeah, Emily, I'd be happy to. Um, I think you, you really hit it on the head that the best way to understand these upcoming parliamentary elections um, uh, is to kind of wind the clock back uh, a year, a year and a half ago. Don't worry, I'll be, I'll be pretty brief. But basically, uh, about a year and a half ago, Putin uh, started a process to change the Russian constitution uh, and make uh, other changes to kind of prepare uh, the country for his eventual uh, succession. Uh, at the end of that process, he had to sneak in an amendment that would annul his previous uh, 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 terms in office so that he could stay in power till 2036, and that, along with the coronavirus pandemic, which eventually came, uh, initiated uh, his approval rating uh, falling, to, falling to its lowest point ever. Uh, then in Russia, we had uh, the largest regional protests since Putin has been in office um, in, in, the, in the far eastern region of Khabarovsk. Uh, and then finally, we had uh, in, in neighboring Belarus uh, protests that really came out of nowhere and shocked uh, the Kremlin and made them realize that for even way back in 2020, uh, almost exactly a year ago, they realized that in order to prevent these 2021 parliamentary elections from really getting out of hand and posing a serious problem for the Kremlin, uh, that they needed to take preventative measures. And so uh, that was when uh, in August of last year, we saw the attempted poisoning or the poisoning rather of Alexei Navalny with a chemical nerve agent his hospitalization, him having to leave Russia for treatment, that uh, poisoning ended up being really just kind of the start of what's been a year-long campaign against uh, the Russian uh, opposition to prevent uh, what something similar to what had happened uh, in, in Belarus. That crackdown has touched on, obviously, Navalny's organizations, first and foremost. Uh, upon his return from Russia, he was uh, imprisoned in June, his organizations were declared extremist, but it was clear from well beforehand through various uh, legal cases against his supporters that uh, his organizations were going to be on their way out. And this extremism de designation that came into force earlier in August, on August 5th, um, has basically sidelined his organizations and, and makes uh, their activities essentially criminal, which has prompted uh, Navalny's workers and supporters, many of them have, had, have, have fled abroad. Uh, many of them have had to give up essentially on kind of public uh, political practice. And to accompany all of that, uh, the Kremlin has also obviously barred candidates, even who are totally unaffiliated with Navalny's organization, from uh, running in this, in this upcoming election. And all of this is because the, the, the Kremlin knows that given the example of 2011, a pro protest almost exactly a decade ago that turned out to be the, the largest protest in, in, in the history of Putin's Russia, particularly in the big cities of Moscow and St. Petersburg, that uh, these steps had to be taken 
or uh, the Russia's political system could, could begin to see changes that could really get out of control. So Matt, with all that said, I assume it's safe to guess the outcome of the elections. What would that mean for Russia's future? Yeah, <laughs> the, the outcome is quite predictable, but uh, just because the outcome is predictable doesn't mean that it, it's very um, interesting, doesn't have a lot of ramifications for uh, Russia's future. The ruling United Russia Party uh, is certain to retain its majority uh, in the parliament. Really, the only question is whether it retains uh, the constitutional supermajority that it currently holds, which means it would have to hold on to two-thirds of, of the deputies, which it currently has, which is over 300, or whether it will only retain a simple uh, majority, in which case, uh, if additional constitutional changes are needed, as I'll get into in a second, then they would have to work with some other parties. But that, that difference is, is really rather inconsequential because the opposition parties, uh, the ones that are allowed into parliament, are very, how should I put it, comfortable working with the Kremlin and are uh, essentially subject to uh, the Kremlin's control. Um, but there's a really interesting kind of um, difficulty for the United Russia Party and for Putin, which is that even government pollsters have fixated the approval rating of United Russia as only somewhere between 25 and, and 30 percent, basically at a 13-year at a uh, low. Uh, and so the question is, how do you go about securing 66 percent of parliamentary seats or even 50 percent of parliamentary seats if, you're, if, you're, if your party is only about 30 percent popular? Uh, and the reason uh, lies in Russia's electoral system. So Russia has a mixed electoral system where half of the deputies are determined by party lists and distributed according to a percentage of the vote. And then the other half are uh, based off of single-member districts where uh, basically the country is divided up into districts and whoever gets the most in a, a geographic region um, gets that seat. And so it's these, these single-member districts that have been the focus of one of Navalny's organization's biggest initiatives, probably its biggest initiative of the, of the past several years, which is smart voting, which is this idea that all of the opposition parties opposed to the Kremlin should unify uh, behind one candidate to unseat the United Russia person. Of course, the, the parties aren't, aren't, aren't willing to take part in this scheme. Uh, and so what it, what it means is that uh, Navalny's organization has to go directly to Russian voters and say, okay, no matter how odious this candidate, whether it's a communist or whether it's uh, an ultra-nationalist or whoever, basically whichever candidate we feel has the best opportunity to unseat the ruling party, we endorse them and we think you should vote for them. And so they would provide voting advice all across the country to tell Russians which person they should support in their district to deal the maximum uh, blow to the United uh, Russia party. And so that was a real threat to the Kremlin. And so that was kind of the electoral uh, trigger, I should say, that served as, as the reason that the Russian authorities had to take such a big stand against Navalny's smart vote uh, initiative. Um, in terms of why this uh, election is still so important, despite kind of the predecided outcome, uh, I think one of the big uh, things to remember is that this is the Duma that will be presiding over Russia in 2024, which is the next presidential election. Um, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, as part of constitutional amendments, Putin annulled his previous terms and received the ability to stay in power till 2036. But in one of the only moments where he explained the justification for that decision, he said that the reason, uh, in his words, he wanted to stop the, the, the Russian bureaucracy, like rats, in his words, from looking about 
and seeing who his successor might be and instead to focus on, on their work. If Putin does decide that running in 2024 um, is, is something that he doesn't want to do, then this will be the, the Duma that will have to almost certainly pass all kinds of additional constitutional amendments to actually prepare Russia for succession. The, the amendments that we saw previously were really just a disguise to nullify Putin's terms. Now, this Duma would have to finalize what was started in 2020 and actually create the framework for the post-Putin Russia. So a lot of pressure will, will be on them uh, if that's the scenario we're headed for. So let's talk about Russia's relations with the outside world, particularly the West. What will these election results mean for that? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the really interesting question. I think, obviously, uh, what the Kremlin is looking to avoid is what we've seen in, in Belarus, where uh, a, a, a domestic uh, election has had such major consequences for foreign relations uh, and really the, the relationship of the entire world toward the regime. The paradox is, of course, that all of the steps that Russia has taken against uh, Navalny's organizations to basically make these elections as uneventful as possible, uh, it's, it's almost front-loaded, the inter- international response, if you will. Basically, the U.S. has already, um, starting last year, put all kinds of sanctions on Russian officials uh, in relation to the Navalny incident and the, the repression of political forces and, and, and made all kinds of statements, of course, regarding repressions against free media, etc. And so basically, a lot of the Western international response has been front-loaded. It doesn't seem likely to me that there's going to be a lot of uh, stomach uh, in Western capitals really put a lot of consequences on Russia uh, for this election, despite it being arguably kind of the most fraudulent and rigged and pre-decided of any that we've seen in Russia in a long time. Um, So I think that a lot of Western governments are probably going to be inclined to stick to uh, statements decrying the fraud and falsifications, but falling short of not recognizing the election. And basically, you know, the idea being that we can't really continue to put sanctions on Russia over this, particularly if we have all these other issues on our plates. First and foremost, the ongoing crisis in Belarus, uh, and then even more strategic concerns like the rise of China, there's just not a lot of stomach to make the election itself kind of a trigger for increased escalation with Russia. Matthew Orr is a Stratfor Eurasia analyst at RAIN. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Emily. It was a pleasure to be here. Stay ahead of Russia's political decisions and how they contribute to global geopolitics. Sign up today for the free Worldview newsletter from RAIN. Find out more at worldview.stratfor.com. That's worldview.stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.